Gentlemen, the off season is nearly over. Preview season starts today with the ACC. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome back to another edition of the Three Technique College Football Podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmys and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, joined by Trey Reeves, Garrett Turney. Fellas, uh, debuting a little bit of a different format today. Uh, if you're watching us on the video side, you're going to see a lot of new content. And uh, guys, that is a testament to how hard that both of you guys have worked on this. Garrett, you're producing the video side. Trey, you did all the graphics for this. Um, preview season's here, fellas, and I could not be more excited. Mitch, I've got a big cup of water right here. I've got a lot of research on my second tab over here, and I am ready to go. I think we're under – Are we? how many days do we have until football season overall? Do we have a countdown on that? Because not that think, many. Not that like many seven, at all. Seven Saturdays without college football, I think, is the countdown of number Saturdays. You guys can do the math at home. Uh, not a math major over here, but – we are ready to go. We're starting things off with the ACC, a conference that is just fascinating and wacky, has a lot of fun teams in it this year. So I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I mean, as we're fast approaching the season, we're also going to be ratcheting up the content over here. So I know that we're really pumped to be getting things going on the pod. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get into it this year. Maybe, you know, try a little bit of a different flavor to uh, previews this year, a little bit more to look at, a little bit less, you know, you know, third string offensive tackles from Boston College and stuff like that. We will not be talking about him today. I don't know what his name is. We didn't do that research. Well, we did plenty of research, but I think we condensed a lot of it yeah. for optimal intake, for the optimal viewer experience. We're really excited for this, guys. We've been talking about preview season for for quite some time. Um, and of course, all of this coincides with one of the biggest announcements that we had on this podcast that we helped write a preview magazine. All previews this season for the 2023 season on the three technique are brought to you by the Transfer Portal CFB preview magazine in collaboration with our friends, Dylan, Dan, Liam, the boys. We just released that 2023 preview magazine. It is over 350 pages of in-depth interviews previews, recruiting, analysis, one of the best products that you will find on the market today, and it is just a third of the price. It's just $9.99. You can head on over to the Transfer Portal CFB website or their social media. You can download it right from the link, um, either in the description or on the website, and, uh, and get the digital PDF. We've had the feedback rolling in, and it's been overwhelmingly positive, which is just really humbling, uh, certainly for me. I know for you guys as well, we put a lot of work into that. And to see you know, several hundred downloads um, basically off the launch was really, really cool. And uh, yeah, we're really excited. We're, we're marching well towards 1,000 downloads of it. And uh, if you haven't already picked up your copy, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Um, 
really one of the the best things that uh, I've ever done in my writing career. And I think you guys would say the same as well. And Trey's, uh, Trey's muted. There we go. We're, uh, we're rolling with it here. Um, it was a blast to put together and it was absolutely, you know, just so much fun to collab with those guys to uh, get to know all these teams so well, lots of fun research went into, and it was a labor of love for you guys. Can't say enough good things about this magazine. Yeah, it was fantastic. Just awesome to get to go and, you know, do all that work, put in all that effort into the research. And that's kind of the same level of research you put into these previews we're going to be doing for you here. Um, again, borrowing a lot of the information from it. So if you want full breakdowns from what we're talking about tonight, you've got to go check out that magazine. It's, it's, it's really good. It's top notch and you guys are going to love it. We're really excited for it, but what we are even just as excited about is getting into these previews. We will have one preview, uh, every weekend, essentially, uh, your Monday morning episode will be an entire conference preview. Unlike last year when we split it up, where it was half of a conference each episode. This time, Monday mornings will be conference previews. And right now, I'm lining up a bunch of interviews uh, for the Thursday morning episode. So, for instance, we'll have um, a special guest coming up on Thursday's episode. Stay tuned for that. Follow us over on our social media, at 3TechPod on Instagram, Twitter, and now Threads. Insert eye roll here. Um, you'll be able to see that special announcement coming very, very shortly, but fellas, let's get into it. We will be doing these in the order that they finished in conference play last season. So the 2022 results, we figure that will keep the most relevant teams at the beginning of the discussion, uh, while also giving complete coverage to the rest of the conference. Unlike we did it alphabetically last year, we are not starting with Boston college. We are not. (laughs) college uh the the focus group said that they would prefer not to start with screaming eagles football and i i have to agree with them i will say last year we waited until the very end of the episode to unveil our conference standings and this year we're turning that on its head i think that will actually facilitate the discussion the most effectively so trey as we went through our playoff or well I, i should say the regular season predictors and we'll get to our playoff projections later in preview season what stood out to you about the ACC and and ultimately how many teams do you think are fighting for the top of the conference well one thing that stood out to me is my first run through the the uh, predictor machine I created quite the conundrum for the conference offices uh, when I had four teams that played Uh, that finished with one conference loss with a combined one game between them. Um, I went back and kind of edited some stuff around, made it more realistic, I think. But with these, with scrapping divisions, and it's not just an ACC thing, right? We've seen the Pac-12, they jumped to this last year. SEC and ACC are moving towards this next year. And the Big 12 is, uh, with 14 teams, going to be doing the same modeling that they've been doing for their conference standings with 10 teams it creates a lot of fascinating scenarios, especially when it's not a true round robin with everyone playing each other. So lots of quirky tiebreakers, lots of opportunities for teams, you know, that catch certain other teams on a down year, catch a lot of maybe easier scheduling models or easier scheduling years than maybe they had in the past. We don't have the ACC Coastal anymore. And as fun as that was, we get a different champion every uh, every year for seven years or how many years that was. 
uh, it's gone out the window. So the model is hopefully going to be a little bit more balanced. There are a few teams that I think are going to take advantage of different schedules this year. I'll talk about one in particular that I think is going to get off to a really hot start. And it's going to be fascinating to see how this conference race develops here in the ACC. Yeah, you said it, man. It's it's cool to see. I think you're going to finally get the best two teams. It seems like it's been pretty lopsided recently. Um, and I'm really excited to get the best two teams at the top of this conference, really open it up so it doesn't feel like the whole thing's done in September. Trey, I'm really glad you're on board with my Georgia Tech takes. We'll get into that uh, later on in the show. I got to put your money where your mouth is on Georgia Tech. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Trey and I differ on where we have the Yellow Jackets finishing uh, all in due time. Uh, guys, to, to tee this off, though, our top four teams are a consensus group. They're not all in the same order, but the same four teams, Clemson, Florida State, Duke, North Carolina, uh, round out our top four. When it comes to teams battling for those two coveted spots in Charlotte, your early projections, and, and Garrett, let's start with you. Who do you expect those two teams to be in Charlotte for the ACC championship? Well, again, you've come to me for the hot takes, so this is what you're going to get. Um, my top two teams this year are going to be Florida State and Duke. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of angry Clemson fans at me with this. I think Clemson's going to have a fantastic season. I'm not nearly as down on them as a lot of people are. I'm just really high on both Florida State and Duke. I've, I've been seeing the returns on the Knowles coin kind of from afar here, uh, and I'm really excited to hop in with the Knowles coin. So I, I think those are going to be my top two teams uh, this year in conference. Uh, and we, we'll talk about that a little bit later why, but those are my top two teams for sure. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I definitely have Duke in tier one. Those four teams that all of us have, Clemson, Florida State, Duke, UNC, that's the top tier and that's the order I have. So Clemson and Florida State facing off, uh, rematching a very exciting early season. I think week four is when they face off in the regular season this year. I think we get a rematch of that towards the end of the year at the ACC championship. Yeah, Trey and I are simpatico there. Clemson, Florida State, Duke, North Carolina. Uh, so I've got the Tigers and the Knolls making it to Charlotte as well. But you may be wondering, well, that's great, guys. You've given us the answers to the test. What does the test look like? And my friends, that is why we have written a long old preview document. Again, we're going to be sh uh, shifting up the order this, this year a little bit making it a little bit more conversational. So as you have thoughts, as you have comments, send them to us at 3TechPod on YouTube. If you're listening to us on the podcast side, uh, if you want to reach out to us on social media at 3TechPod, Instagram, threads, and Twitter as well. Guys, let's start with Clemson. 
And one of the things that we did this year was we assigned a movie where appropriate to kind of describe the outlook of the team. So for Clemson's preview this year, I said that they are, I said the Dabo Knight rises this year, guys. Uh, <laughs> last year, it was an 11 and three campaign. They went eight and zero in conference play. And from afar, you look and go, yeah, that's a really good season. But if you listen to our episode with Luke Winstell the other day, he mentioned that Clemson fans are still a little restless, right? They want to climb all the way back to the top of the hill. They want to be competing for national championships. And you see on screen, if you're watching on YouTube, the loss to Notre Dame was a bad one. The loss to South Carolina was upsetting to say the least. And then they get blown out against Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. Now, the main issue was that the offense was not at all reliable. Uh, 48th in total offense, 66th in passing offense a season ago, which is just not going to get it done, especially when you're in some shootouts. When you're not keeping up with Notre Dame, and guys, I don't think anybody accused Notre Dame of being an offensive juggernaut last year. Uh, when you're not able to keep track with them, that's a sign that your offense has some issues. And DJ Uyunglele has now obviously departed. Cade Klubnik is uh, the new starter. And I think a lot of Tiger fans are excited specifically by the fact that Garrett Riley has come over as the offensive coordinator from TCU. Led the Horn Frogs to a historic offensive output for their school last season. He's now in Death Valley with Clemson. Uh, guys, the, the players that you have to pay attention to, we'll start on the offensive side. Obviously, Cade Klubnik is a guy that's got to move the needle for Clemson. Uh, 61 of 100 passing last year, 697 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. You look at those stats and nothing wows you, but I think it's the potential that's really exciting for Clemson fans. You talk about an air raid style offense, a guy in Garrett Riley who's going to get that ball out of the hand of his quarterback really, really quickly. I don't need to tell you guys about Will Shipley, 210 carries for almost 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns last season. He was the straw that stirred the drink for the Tigers' offense. Out wide, if you're wondering, well, that's great. Klubnik's got a big arm, but who on earth is he throwing to? It's a great question because over the last couple of seasons, Clemson has had some, some question marks around the playmakers there. Antonio Williams is probably the guy that they need to step up. He had a productive 2022, but now he's got to be the guy, right? They don't have a T. Higgins that's walking back through that door. Antonio Williams has got to step up and be the man. Uh, I will say the offensive line should be really solid. Uh, four of the five starters are back this season. Jordan McFadden was drafted by the Chargers, but um, freshman All-American Blake Miller is going to slide out to the tackle spots. So the offense looks really, really strong. Guys, in your mind, if Clemson has a competent offense, is that the only thing that's holding them back from continuing to dominate the ACC? I think the, the offense is the easy, easy thing to find, right? The easy, the low-hanging fruit, if you will, of saying, hey, if Clemson can fix that, then everything's golden. The other thing that I really, and we'll get into defense here in just a second, but the pass defense started to slip a little bit last year too, yeah, quietly. Because, you know, the run defense, the pass rush specifically, not that's going to be elite at Clemson. That's where Clemson always recruits the best. They always have elite defensive linemen. They do typically have, you know, talented defensive backs, but 
uh, you know, the coordinator turnover that Dabo Sweeney's experienced the last few years, I think might be starting to catch up with him on the defensive side of the ball as well. When you lose Brent Venables, right. It's just a huge, huge loss, a gaping hole in that side. And there's a lot to prove on that side of the ball and the coaching staff still, but if you can fix the offense, you're going to roll through the ACC because there's not a lot of defenses that scare you. There's a lot of talented defense. There's a lot of talented defensive coordinators and coaches, but from an overall skill set standpoint, when you just line up the Jimmies and Joes on the field, as long as you have competent quarterback play and it's not actively hurting you like it has the last couple of years, no offense to DJU, but that I think is very easy to say that it's actively hurting Clemson, how he was playing the quarterback position the last couple of years. As long as you don't have that, you're going to be okay. Now, when you get to the playoff, it might be different, but just getting through the ACC that shouldn't be a problem. So what I'm really excited to see, I think Garrett Riley was the best coordinator hire nationally. Uh, for me, for my money, I think that was the best hire. I showed that Dabo Sweeney was willing to step outside of his coaching tree, willing to step outside of his element a little bit. And we'll see if he can take Cade Klubnick and do what he did with Max Duggan last year and just put him in a system and say, hey, go play ball. Go make one or two reads, make the right throw, and just get it to the hands of playmakers you're going to see Clemson get right back to the college football playoff. But if there's any, you know, hiccups, they have to start week one with Duke, right? They have, they're going to have a really they do. solid defensive test. They play Notre Dame. We'll get into schedule here in a second, but they do have some def- defenses that are going to test that system and test Kate Klubnick relatively early in their schedule. So yeah, if they, if they can get that fixed, I think if anybody can do it, it's going to be Garrett Riley, but um it's going to be fascinating to see what, how he molds Cape club, how he uh, fits into this offensive scheme that was so electric at TCU last year. Yeah. For me, it's not a question of can it happen. It's more of a question of how fast does it happen? You know, if, if we're looking over at the schedule one more time, we've got Duke in week one, Florida state week four. I have no doubt that they can figure it out and that they can actually get things in a good place in terms of what Cape club can do. But he didn't exactly pick up his first college scheme very quickly. And that's not any knock on him. He's a very talented player, uh, plenty of talent going on there. But uh, I, I think, you know, his big consideration here is he didn't necessarily pick it up fast. And now he's learning a second college scheme in as many years. And he's going to have a new style of coaching. He's going to have a lot of new stuff going on to have to start with Duke where, you know, the, the head coach, Mike Elko used to be a defensive coordinator and, you know, an experienced quarterback, Riley Leonard, he's got to go up against who, I mean, in week one, uh, I'll take the experience and what I know a lot of times more than just optimism and upside. And then they have a couple of tune-ups. They got Charleston Southern, they got Florida Atlantic, but it's Florida State after that. And that's a team that's kind of a, a dark horse for a lot of people. A lot of people think that they could be making a playoff or they could be the big top dog. Uh, I, I certainly have them there. I personally have them going undefeated this season that's going to be a tough game for them to figure out in their first, you know, two of their first four being probably four, you know, massive stakes in the conference. They're two uh, toughest I, conference games probably when you t- right. take into account home road splits as well. And, and this isn't a knock on Clemson specifically. This is a knock on anybody you are when your two top teams going against you are, you know, the two top teams in your conference. They're both in, you know, the first four weeks and, you're breaking in, you know, what is essentially a new system with an inexperienced quarterback. The run game's great. Will Shipley's going to be fantastic. But 
how fast does it catch on? I don't know. Like it could catch on week one against Duke and, you know, they come out of the locker room with a little adjustment and all of a sudden it's off to the races or it could falter. And then, you know, you're looking at going into Syracuse two and two and, you know, the conference race is pretty much done and dusted for you. It's a great point. Uh, and we'll get into Duke in a, in a minute. You, Gary, you talk about trying to figure out a passing game. Duke is one of the most blitz heavy teams in the country, right? Mike Elko, yeah. Now Tyler Santucci, the former linebacker coach at Texas A&M, comes over as the defensive coach or defensive coordinator. Excuse me. That will be a trial by fire for Cade Klubnik. Not that he hasn't experienced that already in his four starts. Tennessee got after him too, but I, I am a little bit concerned about how quickly Clemson can pick that up. I do think they find a way to beat Duke. I don't think Duke is that good, um, but we'll see. Uh, weird things happen in the season opener. Uh, Clemson's defense, Trey, you mentioned their past defense started to, to slip a little bit last year. The corners for me aren't going to stand out for Clemson. I, I look at their safeties like Jalen Phillips. They always have a stud safety. So it's kind of that, you know, who can play that Isaiah Simmons role who's just an X factor back there. But the corners haven't exactly been incredibly elite. I know AJ Terrell came out just a couple of years ago, but that may be a question mark for Clemson this year. The The front seven, though, is really, really strong. They recruit at an elite level, maybe the best in the country on that defensive line. Tyler Davis was a first-team All-ACC player last year. They've got two true freshmen in Peter Woods and TJ Parker, who, after the spring game, are already cementing themselves in the rotation, kind of like what Texas A&M did last year with a bunch of five-stars. It looks like they're going to roll six, seven, eight guys deep on that front four. And then you throw in a linebacker like Jeremiah Trotter Jr., who's my pick to be the best linebacker in the country. Um, he's got the NFL pedigree. The guy is an absolute, uh, absolute monster. He's already mocked in the first round of the 2024 NFL draft. So a, a lot of talent on that Clemson defense. I think they're going to have to get it done in the front seven as opposed to relying on just kind of no fly zone in the secondary. Yeah, absolutely. The The recipe for success for Clemson on defense is going to be get to the quarterback, make the sack and just be relentless pressuring the quarterback. And like you said, rolling through and staying fresh by utilizing that depth they have, not just on the defensive line, but at linebackers. Well, they've got a lot of talented uh, players that are really interesting at linebacker as well. So that's going to be the mess. That's going to be the recipe Clemson as it has been throughout their strong years they they have had good safety play in the past but I mean correct me if I'm wrong they're not typically known for having a lockdown shutdown corner or or even they've a had a couple they've, they've had, had a couple, couple yeah but it's not consistently been the strength of the defense uh yeah. throughout their renaissance years here so yeah I mean, the, the recipe is absolutely going to be get to the quarterback and just relentlessly pressure and it's going to be you know Venable's is really, really good at scheming together that pass stretch as well. And can, um, you know, coming from multiple different angles, blitzing from different positions, it's going to be a really interesting test for Wes Goodwin to see how can he respond? How can he pick up where Venables left off and not make that too much of a drop off with this talent that he has to work with? Yeah. Goodwin, former linebacker coach who was promoted when Venables left certainly has his work cut out for him. Um, their over under guys is 10 and a half. I think we all have, uh, Clemson at least around that Garrett, you're going under, um, Trey and I are both going 
over that mark. Um, and I'm going under actually. I have them at ten and two. Oh my bad. Yes, okay, I have. So yeah, I have them picking up a. I have them picking up an out of conference Notre Dame loss. That's well. that's right. That's right. That that'll be a crucial game. Which we get to the schedule breakdown. We talked about that Monday Labor Day game against Duke. I just got word that I might be at a lake house for that game, which will be a ton of fun. Um, but for me, uh, for me, the crucial stretch is the back half of the season. Right. I, I know a lot of eyes are going to be on Duke, Florida State, and those are big time games. But then you talk about getting the bye week. You go at Miami, at NC State, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, at South Carolina. That schedule is not for the faint of heart. And you could see Clemson fall apart if the offense isn't up to snuff. For me, that Notre Dame game on November 4th is going to be a national game. Probably you know one that, that College Game Day finds their way to. That could have some big-time uh, big playoff implications. And then the Carolinas to finish it out. Listen, we'll talk about North Carolina in just a second, actually next. Uh, but that is, that's a tough end to the regular season. No matter what you think about UNC's defense and, and Gene Chizik, that offense is going to put up a lot of points. And I think that, uh, that it could make for some fireworks coming down the home stretch. So, you know, again, 11-1, and one, I've got them hitting the over. I just think that they're a more complete team than anyone in the conference they will be my acc champion pick over florida state uh, i really do believe that the tigers who have not fallen lower than a 10 win season in the last several years it's hard to project them to go 12 and 0 but for me the the ceiling is 12 and 0 i think realistically i'll go 11 and 1 yeah i i i have them slightly under the over under i've got them at 10 and 2 and look, that's a great season for 99% of the college football universe, right? That is a fantastic yep. season. But Clemson has set that standard so high over the last decade plus under Dabo Sweeney that 10-2 feels like a disappointment. Even if they get that championship win, even if they win the bowl game and win 12 games, not being in the college football playoff feels like a letdown. Even if there's a lot to build on for the future under Kate Klubnick, but for this year, I, I think there's too many trap games with a young quarterback. I think 10-2 and two is a good, safe bet for me. Um, and they absolutely have the ceiling. They could definitely blow past that. Yeah, I've got them at 10-2 and two as well. I think really just the, the factor that I keep coming back to is it's going to click for them, but I don't think it's going to click in time. I think you have to look at Duke and Florida State. I think both of those games are losses. It's going to be tough to open up against Duke. Um, and, and, you know, we'll talk more about what Duke has to offer in a minute, but I do think that this thing will click. They get, you know, the Syracuse wake forest and then the bye week to kind of figure stuff out after, you know, towards the end of September. Um, but, you know, I, I think they'll be able to, to pull out, you know, 10 wins. I think they will barely miss the championship game. Kind of, like I said, uh, I'm not down on Clemson. I just think it's kind of a next year thing for them. I think next year, a little bit more experience with the quarterback, a little bit more coming back there, you know, year two in the Garrett Riley system. I think they'll be back to it. I just think it'll be a little bit of a rough patch in the meantime. Guys, let's move over to North Carolina. I've termed them Mac Brown and the half team Prince. Uh, UNC was one of the most outlandish half teams last year where their offense is putting up 60 plus in games while their defense is also allowing 60 plus. Of course, I'm talking about that shootout against App State. 63-61 victory in week two. Um, you know, they scored 56 against Florida A&M. Congrats, but you gave up 24. It was a, a 
very close game against Georgia State. And then you look at the losses on that schedule. Notre Dame comes in week four, and then a four-game losing streak kicked off by Georgia Tech of all teams. The Fighting Brent Prize got them, and uh, UNC was just never quite the same. Mac Brown is at a really interesting crossroads this season, right? He's in search of win number 100 in his second stint uh, with the Tar Heels. Chip Lindsey is now the first-year offensive coordinator. Phil Longo goes to Wisconsin. We're really excited about that. Lindsey was the architect behind uh, the explosive UCF offense uh, last season. And then Gene Chizik, right? A a national championship-winning head coach in his own right, but the defense ranked 116th last year in total defense. They were giving up nearly 440 yards per game, 30 points per game to opposing offenses. And guys, that's not a recipe for winning football. I know they have an explosive offense, but you know when it doesn't show up, uh, when you're losing 39 to 10 against Clemson, you need a defense that can can step up and get a stop, and they just weren't able to get that last year. I will say, for Tar Heel fans, I don't know that the defense is going to be that much better, but it certainly can't get worse, I wouldn't think. You look at linebackers, Power Eccles, Cedric Gray, I think they're going to be good captains in the middle of that field. And then I like a couple of their cornerbacks, although when I was looking at team strengths and team weaknesses – I think the weakness of this Tar Heels defense is going to be the secondary again. Now, Elijah Huzzy and uh, Armani Chapman, Huzzy's from East Tennessee State, had six picks last year. Armani Chapman is from Virginia Tech, played and started 49 games uh, for the Hokies. If they're going to take a step forward, they're going to have to be big pieces to that because the secondary was just so bad last year. They couldn't stop anybody. They had a wave of transfers out. They don't have a single starter back for 2023. The offense is a whole lot of fun under Drake May, who could be the first overall pick in this next year's NFL draft. But I don't know that being a half team is the way to contend for an ACC title. We all have them in the mix, but I think ultimately that's going to be what holds them back. Yeah, I think if you're North Carolina, you have to hope that this really is addition by subtraction on the defense. With as many guys that left you, I think you have to hope that, you know, maybe somehow that was just a bad mix. Uh, You you just didn't have the right guys on the field. And hopefully maybe, you know, this year, uh, new faces across the board can can make a few more plays. Um, It's really hard to not play defense and win consistently. I'm tempted to to be inclined to say that they fall a little bit um, in, in terms of what their expectations are, just because I don't see how you can sustain that level of defense that consistently, right? I mean, they, they did not play very good defense. If you look back at the graphic, I mean, the the, the defensive numbers are pretty low. The, yeah. the 116th, 86, 116th, 96, 102, 128. Not yeah, right. not a lot of great numbers to hang your hat on if you're if you're one of the Tar Heels. So, um, and again, maybe it was just the players. Maybe they just don't know how to play in the system. Maybe they just weren't good fits. That's what you got to hope for if you're a North Carolina fan, because otherwise things could be a little interesting uh, this year as they have to, you know, maybe maybe they don't meet that level on defense. Maybe they get into some more shootouts and you got to hope that Drake may can keep up the success uh, now that some of these opposing defenses have film on him. And, you know, I 
have North Carolina contending for a conference title. I think we all solidly have them in that top tier. I have them going 10 and two on my first little run through the projections here, but you just know they're going to drop a game that they're not supposed to, right? You, that defense, you can look at several teams throughout the ACC. I think Wake Forest is another one that, yeah, their offense is going to put up a bunch of points. It's going to be explosive, but they're going to drop a game that they shouldn't, that they're the more talented team, that they have the quarterback advantage. That Georgia Tech game last year is a prime example, right? They have no business dropping that game. I know they had already locked up. I think they had already locked up a conference title game um, appearance at that point, but they were nine and one. And we were talking about them on our show saying, hey, don't forget about the Tar Heels for the college football playoff. And then they go drop a game to Georgia Tech and make us look like fools. So, I mean, when you have, when you are a half team, you are going to drop games that you shouldn't drop. That on paper, you should beat them. App State was almost that last year. Georgia Tech was one last year. They've got a tricky non-conference game against Minnesota this year. But, I mean, yeah, you got to hope that those transfers that you brought in, I love that Mac Brown's trying. I love that he is, you know, throwing anything at the wall to see what sticks um, and turning over that secondary room that absolutely needed some new blood in it. But, yeah, where where is the proof – in this Mac Brown tenure that they are going to run through a schedule. I'm mostly talking to myself here because I haven't been attended to where's the proof <laughs> that they run through the schedule and the games, even that they're just supposed to win. I don't think that they've proven that as a program yet. Yeah. Garrett, if you'll pull their schedule back up, um, I've got UNC going nine and three, finishing fourth in the conference. I have them losing to South Carolina. They play them in the opener in Charlotte. I think I'm, strangely talking myself into South Carolina being a pretty plucky team this year. I think they lost a lot of production. And if, if I'm wrong on that, it's going to be because the defense can't get any pass rush uh, and they can't move the football unless Spencer Rattler is, is just having a great game. Um, but you could say the very same thing about North Carolina. You saw their, their defensive stats, 128th in the country in sacks, 1.28 uh, sacks per game. That is almost dead last in the FBS. Gene Chizik has to find a way to get pressure on the quarterback. He He's admitted that. I don't think you could say anything other than, hey, my bad. Um, but until they do that, they're going to remain an incredible half team. Drake May, he's got a bunch of fun weapons to work with this year. They've got a fun running back trio. British Brooks is healthy this season. Elijah Green, Amarian Hampton who was a standout true freshman last year. And then probably the most fun piece, you have a Kent State transfer and Devontae Walker coming in. He's supposed to be the Josh Downs replacement, right? Which that's not going to be an easy guy to replace. Josh Downs is kind of your offense last year, especially when British Brooks was, wasn't was able to play uh, during the regular season. They do have four starters back on the off- offensive line. Awesome uh, Richards is gone to the draft as a Dallas Cowboy but they have four other starters and then Willie Lampkins transfers in from coastal. So the offensive line should be pretty good. Drake may, we know what he is. He's a Heisman level quarterback, um, a a top five draft pick. I'm really, really excited to watch what he can do. But uh, that being said, you've got a, a tricky start to the beginning of the season, South Carolina, you mentioned Trey Minnesota comes in and then early buy those early buys can be death especially mm-hmm. for a half team, right? When the defense doesn't have a chance to lick its wounds, you're talking about having to go on the road to Georgia Tech, play a Campbell team that is not a laydown FCS opponent. They're one of the best teams in the FCS, certainly on the offensive side. So 
hey, a team with defensive struggles, you might give up a lot of points to the Fighting Camels. And then you've got Duke, Clemson, and NC State, teams that we think are going to be relatively dangerous on the offensive side. So I don't know, guys. I mean, as we wrap up the UNC preview, I think this is a a crossroads for Mac Brown. I wrote about that in our uh, five storylines for the ACC article on the Transfer Portal CFB website. I don't know what Mac Brown does if this season goes sideways on him. Maybe he retires. Uh, maybe he he sticks around. He's recruiting really well. But I think the Tar Heels have to find a way to be in contention for the ACC crown. Uh, otherwise, I, I honestly don't know where he goes from here. Yeah, it's going to be you know a tricky start, very tricky close. That middle definitely has an opportunity to be to make some hay there. Not a lot of defenses you're scared of if you're Drake May in the offense, but yeah. Yeah, very tricky start, very tricky close for North Carolina. Yeah, and I almost wonder if the middle will kind of lull them to sleep in terms of how highly they have to execute on the offensive side of the football, right? I'm curious to see if maybe, you know, when they hit Duke and Clemson at the end of the year, if they haven't been used to playing a defense like that, if they haven't been used to having to come with their A game and, you know, convert some of those tough third downs and things like that. Really curious to see how they bounce back on that. I like Mitch, I also have them go nine and three. I think they lose to South Carolina to open, and I will also pick them to lose to Duke and Clemson at the end of the year as well. Guys, let's move over to Florida State. The Wolf of Tallahassee, as I have termed Mike Norvell. We've talked about Knowles coin. It's soaring. We love the price that it's at right now. The bank account is looking great. Uh, Florida State went 10-3 and three last year, right? 5-3 and three in ACC play. They had a weird three-game skid. Um to wake NC State and Clemson. But other than that, things were pretty rosy in Tallahassee last season. Mike Norvell is 18 and 16 in his four seasons there. Uh, and it seems like second year offensive coordinator Alex Atkins started to figure some things out. The defense looked really good under Adam Fuller, who's in his fourth season. He came over uh, from Memphis with Mike Norvell. So you got a lot of continuity on this staff. Plus, you have the most returning production in the country on both the offense and the defensive side. Jared Verse shocked everybody by coming back as the uh, one of the potential number one edge rushers off the board in the NFL draft. He shocked everyone when he said, nope, I'm coming back to Florida State. I've got one more run in me. Him coming back on that defense is going to be scary. And then you look at some of these notable players on offense for Florida State. You've got Jordan Travis, who is certainly a Heisman contender through for 3,200 yards last year, 24 touchdowns, but he also does it with his feet, over 400 yards rushing, a loaded running back room. You've got Trey Benson, who almost got to 1,000 yards a season ago, nine touchdowns, and then a couple of wide receivers who are just incredibly lethal. Johnny Wilson, who's a great uh, transfer from Arizona State, he shined last season. No, oh, by the way, you've got Keon Coleman, who comes in from Michigan State out of nowhere leaving the Spartans after spring ball. He's down to Tallahassee. I mentioned Jared Verse on the defense, nine sacks a season ago. The the linebackers in Kalen Deloach and Tatum Bethune are both really good. They combined, guys, 149 tackles last year, 17 of them tackles for loss. Um, And then they get Fentrell Cypress, the second, from Virginia, one of the best corners, if not the best corner in the ACC. He's playing for the worst team. He says, hey, guys, I'm – it's been real here uh, playing for the Who's, but I'm going to go try for an ACC championship and goes to Tallahassee. Led the country with nearly two passes defended per game last season, which is just unreal. If you're watching on the YouTube side, 
Uh, you see a couple of impact transfers as well, Braden Fiske. And then you've got Hakeem Williams, a five-star wide receiver. Lucas Simmons comes in, a four-star offensive tackle. Guys, things are really good for Florida State is what I'm trying to say right now. When you look across the board, and we'll get into their schedule in just a second, but when you look across the board, we know the talents there. Let me ask you this. What is preventing all three of us from picking them as the ACC champions? I think, you know, is it still just a hangover from the start of the Mike Norvell era where, you know, for me, that might be that because even throughout their great run last year, I know they had the stretch in the middle of the season where they lost three straight, but even through all of that, even when they beat LSU, even when they, you know, finished the season with six straight wins, including the bowl, there's just a small part of you. that's like, yeah, but this could just be a one-off year. But when you dive into the stats guys, you, Gary, if you want to pull up those numbers from last year one more time, nothing about that is fluky, right? It's not like they were, you know, they had a crazy turnover margin and they just really capitalized off of turnovers. That's not going to repeat itself. Yeah, they were uh, really high in the nation in sacks, but it's because they have elite edge rushers that are coming back this year. Number one returning production in the country. It's not often that you have this easy of a case to say, yeah, there's going to be an encore performance. But I mean, obviously, you know, we don't want to give it the kiss of death with, you know, locking anything up as a guarantee, but this is in college football. This is about as guaranteed as you can get, right? All the returning production coming back. When you're looking for the recipe of an elite team, it's elite quarterback play plus elite pass rushing and just overall defensive competency right and all three of those boxes are checked by this florida state team they plugged some awesome they plugged some holes with some awesome players from the transfer portal keon coleman i love the defensive line additions from the portal as well with Braden fisk it's exciting like it's really hard to not just go to the moon with this florida state team and when you look at the schedule there's some tough stretches the lsu game to start off the year is going to be a fantastic game once again they play clemson week four after week four, the schedule really softens out a little bit. They do have Duke in there at home, rivalry game with Miami at home, and the big rivalry game at Florida to end the year. But with a front-loaded schedule, if they can just get one of those two early games, right? If they can just split LSU and Clemson, you have to feel really, really good about making them run and maybe having something really special by November. Yeah, well, and Mitch, you asked what's holding any of us back from picking them to go. Nothing's holding me back. I picked them to go 12 and 0. Um, I, I, what am I supposed to not like about this team? You've got a quarterback who really just doesn't turn the ball over, who's a threat both to run and pass, who put up big numbers. Who, I mean, maybe you'd like to see from the like, you know, elite quarterback, you might want to see the touchdowns come up overall. You want to see him score a little bit more, but. You look around, he's got a great running game. You pick up Keon Coleman in the portal to go with Johnny Wilson. That's kind of disgusting. That might be two of the, you know, that might be one of the better wide receiver tandems in the country. I think that's my favorite wide receiver room in the whole country, not just in the ACC, but maybe in the entire country. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a couple of for sure studs. Um, It's it's certainly up in the mix for some of the better receiver rooms. I'm trying to think probably Ohio State and maybe Washington better, but – it, they're strong case for third if if that. And, I mean, what am I supposed to not like? You got Jared Verse on the defensive line. You got 
a lot of help on that defense. Like you're saying, Trey, nothing about that's fluky. If anything, you look at some of like the turnover, you know, and the, and the penalties and stuff that you could see a lot of that come up and then you're really cooking. Um, And additionally, if you look at the schedule, they get a whole lot of stuff at home, right? If you're looking at this, you've got LSU technically in the state of Florida. Yes, they have to go to Clemson, but you get Duke at home, Miami at home. I'm looking at this and I'm saying, what am I not supposed to like about this Florida State team? I can't find anything that I don't like about them. So when I'm looking up and down this schedule, I say, yeah, I think Florida State has to be my pick to go 12-0 and win the ACC. So that's that's where I am on them. I know you've been pretty high on a Mitch with the Knowles coin, but I'm, I'm buying up as much as I can right now. I, I have been. You know, and the LSU game, look – it, it was kind of a it was a weird bounce of the ball last year, right? Uh, a blocked extra point that maybe keeps LSU from winning that game. I, I wrote in, in the preview, I feel like that just kind of like by the law of averages swings back to LSU this year. And, of course, we'll preview the Tigers when we get to, to the SEC. Um, but they're going to be a whole lot of fun, too. Uh, that's going to be a must-see game in the opening week of college football. Clemson, you know, I, I – I'm not in the habit of picking teams to go 12 and 0. I think that game on the road against Clemson is just kind of tough to predict Florida State to win, especially early in the season, but certainly very possible. I, I will say, like, getting, if it is Clemson and Florida State that get to Charlotte, I am certainly having to think long and hard about Clemson beating them twice, right? Like, This is an incredibly talented team, potentially a more explosive offense. They certainly have better wide receivers uh, and even, you know, maybe maybe not a better running back in Trey Benson, but I think he's going to open a whole lot of eyes this season. I think Florida state has a very real potential to be your ACC champion and uh, you know, to, to be in the college football playoff discussion, which again, doing wonders for the Knowles coin. And if you had told us that at the beginning of last season, even the most staunch Knowles coin investors, would have just said you're crazy, right? Like going into that LSU game last year, even as LSU is lining up to kick that extra point that ultimately uh, got blocked and ended up with Florida state spurring that magical run they had last year. Like this is just what an amazing turnaround by Mike Norvell. What an awesome Testament is to his ability to just stay the course when all the pressure is on him, you know, think about the recruiting losses that he had had, that they're calling for his head. He turns around with a 10-win season and has him right on the cusp of returning to glory. Can't say enough great things about the job he's doing. Guys, I'm going to put in a call. I'm going to I'm going to amend my earlier take. Florida State will be the ACC champ this year. They're going to there go 10-2. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm going to give I'm going to give the win to LSU uh, in the opener I think right now and I'm going to say Clemson wins that game at home close, but I think it's going to be a good game, but I just the more I I talked myself into Clemson um writing that preview, but you know what? I, I've been on the Florida State bandwagon now for really since Norvell got there. I thought it was a good hire, and uh, I'm, I'm going to say that that we see some real dividends this year. So run it back. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Florida State is your ACC champ. There we go. <laughs> a team that I think may experience a really painful 2023 is Pittsburgh. Um, their movie comp that I came up with is the Fellowship of the Ring, and what I mean by this is I think it's – it's a great developmental story, right? Pat Narduzzi is doing some awesome things there, but as far as action, not a lot happens in that movie. And unfortunately, I think for Pitt, this is going to be one of those years 
that you wish you could fast forward through. I think this ends up being a rebuilding season for Pitt, who lost a whole lot of production, not only on the offensive side, but their front four as well. I mean, losing Kalijah Cansey, who is a, a game changer in the front there. I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Pitt goes five and seven in, in my projection. Wow. Well, I know. I know. Wow. It's not good. I know. It's not good. Let me... Let me make the case for you. Um, Pat Narduzzi, 62 and 41 in his tenure at Pitt. He has done nothing but meet expectations at the very least, right? I mean, he's really been very reliable, eight and four, kind of the floor. The issue is this year, the offense hinges around one man, a man who I have tried to buy stock in, who I have wanted to believe in, and then he ends up on the old injury report, and that's Phil Dracovic, the Boston College transfer. I had such high hopes for him on Chestnut Hill, and they just never, they never worked. I'll, I'll kind of sing a sad song about Boston College coming up, but he's got big arm, a big arm and decent potential, but he just cannot stay healthy. That and the fact that I don't see Zay Flowers on this roster really make me question where the points are going to come from from Pitt. The running back is totally by committee this year. Um, they've got uh, Rodney Hammond Jr., Sebo Flimster, and then Derek Davis, who's an LSU transfer. He was actually a defensive back last year who they convinced to make the switch to running back. So it's not the deepest running back room. Uh, Conte Munfield is a potential star in the making out wide, but other than Munfield, there's not really anybody that, that scares me. So you're telling me there's an injury-prone quarterback who has never really been consistent. You don't have a running game with a guy who you can just rely on and you've got kind of one guy to throw to. It makes me really nervous. Uh, defensively, we've got David Green, who's the only returning starter on the, the front four from a season ago. Um, the edge rushing, nobody stands out. It's going to be kind of by committee. There's you know four or five guys that they're planning on rotating through there. So I'm wondering where they're going to get the pass rush from. Um, they've got good corners. Uh, you've got MJ, MJ Devonshire, who's the captain of the secondary, Marquise Williams, and then AJ Woods. They all return as starters. So I think the secondary should be pretty good, but kind of it's it's kind of a theme as we go through the rest of these ACC teams. It's like, man, maybe you have one thing that you do really well on defense, but if you can't score the points, like I don't know that Pitt is built to win games defensively, right? Um so I know I'm low on them, five and seven, uh, and, and that's one step above my floor. I could see them going four and eight. You could make a case for that. I think their ceiling is seven and five because their schedule isn't that hard other than a run from September the, what is it, September the 9th through November the 4th. So basically a month is really, really tough. Um, and for, for all those reasons, I'm out on Pitt this year. Love the Shark Tank, uh, but it, it listen. I'm going to make the case for Pitt to have not not a magical season, not a you know busting the, the seams of the college football playoff like Desmond Howard wanted to think they were going to do last year. But Ooh, that was tough. Uh, yeah, that was a rough scene for Desmond. But yeah, listen, we trust Pat Narduzzi to put a competent defense on the field. Do we not? I, I think at, I think at this point he's earned our benefit of the doubt. I know they're losing a lot of talent. I know that they haven't necessarily brought in this particular class hasn't necessarily been, you know, 
a lot of guys that you're ex- really excited about. They did have a nice freshman linebacker commit in Jordan Bass. I think that's a really fun uh, piece to the puzzle there. Brought in a couple of talented uh, guys from Florida. But I think, you know, this could maybe for Pitt this year be the anti-North Carolina. I think they might be a half team. If Phil Dracovic goes down, they definitely will be a half team at best. Yeah. Um, but when Phil Dracovic is healthy, he can win you games in the ACC. He, he won games at Boston College. I think they have better talent at Pitt than Phil had around him at Boston College. Zay Flowers notwithstanding. But if Phil Dracovic can stay healthy, I trust the defense. I trust Pat Narduzzi. I trust, you know, the system that they have there. Yeah, they lost a lot of pass rush production, but they were number one in the country at getting to the quarterback last they year. Were. That's not – a lot of that's talent, but a lot of that is the system too because consistently you see Pitt at the very top of those lists um, year in and year out under Narduzzi. So – I'm not ready to say that it's going to be doom and gloom. I I look at the schedule. I think other than North Carolina, I think they're going to be favored all the way through September going into their bye game, bye week. I, I'm not high on West Virginia this year. I know that that's a possible loss in a rivalry game on the road. I don't think West Virginia is going to be very good this year. I don't think Cincinnati is going to be very good this year. The back half is really tricky with trips to Notre Dame, Florida State at home, Duke on the road to end the year. The back half is really tricky. It could definitely spiral out of control in the back half. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But the middle of this conference is so vulnerable that I think if you can do one thing really, really well, and I think Pitt does defense really, really well, there's a lot of opportunities for wins against teams that might just have an off day or that you can shut down on any given day. So – I'm a little bit higher on him. I think I had him at eight and four. That's about par for the course for the Narduzzi era. But I I, I think a steady eight and four could be in the cards for them this year. Yeah, Mitch, I'm a little bit more with you. I think I have him going five and seven as well. I'm I'm just going to be a pit hater. Um, You know, sorry about it. I don't know what else to say. You know, I I look at the, the schedule really. And for me, it's not really about you know, what Pitt's doing necessarily. It's, it's more about what they won't be doing. And I think what they won't be doing is playing good offense. Um, I'm sorry. I just don't believe in Phil Jerkovich at all. Um, I, I've watched the tape. I've seen it. He throws some interceptions. Um, he Without Zay Flowers, I don't really know what he is. Um, and, and so when I look at the schedule, you, you kind of glanced over, Trey, just the at West Virginia being a, oh, you know, maybe a loss in a driver game. They almost lost that game. In Pittsburgh it did. last yeah. year. It took some real so magic low. to not lose that game. The vibes are so low in Morgantown, though. They like, are bad. No, you're, no, you're absolutely right. They were bad last year, too. So, like, I'm, I'm just saying, in a rivalry game, you don't they know They had Hope Week happen. 1 last year. They they have Neil yeah. Brown, and they don't know AG why. Daniels was going to save the program last year. You're, you're yeah. right. You're right. No, that's... Now he's going to save <laughs> Rice, apparently. Yeah, maybe he will. Um, But, no, you, you have that. You have North Carolina on the schedule. And then it's at Wake Forest at Notre Dame. You have Florida state at home at Duke. Like these are just some games on here. I'm looking at, I'm saying, yeah, that's a bunch of losses. And then you got to talk about toss ups. I think Louisville could be a toss up. I think Syracuse might be all right. And and Trey, when we did the episode about quarterbacks, you know, and the ACC and talking about who might be the best, we put Phil Dracovich right in the middle of that whole, just lump of guys who could be number five. We ended up going, I think Garrett Schrader there, but, it, it could be a lot of different guys who's that fifth best quarterback. There's just kind of a lump of average, mediocre, mad quarterbacks. 
And I don't see the talent around him. I don't see the playmakers around him that'll help him overcome any of that. So I, I haven't gone five and seven as well. A little bit of a step back for Pittsburgh. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it'll be a little bit unfortunate. They're going to have to go to the portal. They're going to have to build a better roster and they're going to have to do a little bit better getting some of those playmakers in to help them out and get back to where they were going to be. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am really curious to see what Randy Bates does after losing so much production. Trey, you mentioned he's got one of the most aggressive and statistically last year, the most productive uh, defensive line and pass rush in the country. A lot of that talent just walked out the door. So now I think his, his scheme really does get put to the test. Um, Yeah. I I just, I worry about attrition offensively um, for Pitt. And I think, getting eaten alive after that bye week is is certainly possible. Could I see them going eight and four? Of course. That's what I have their ceiling listed as, but just don't, or I'm sorry, I have it as seven and five. Um, I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to score points to beat a Louisville at home, a Wake Forest, a Notre Dame on the roads, stuff like that. We'll yeah. see. Happy like to be path, proven wrong there. The path is them having, you know, of this middle tier of the ACC, it's all kind of a, glob of teams that are going to be in that five to seven to seven and five to eight and four range if they can make a run yeah if they can have the best individual unit that's the path for pit so if the pit defense is the best individual unit out of all that middle tier you're going to be looking at a more respectable season for pit guys let's move over to a heartthrob of this podcast the duke blue devils uh we've got head coach mike elko in his second season the defensive wizard was 31st in scoring defense last season, 23rd in sacks. Guys, Duke did a a thing that uh, they hadn't done in the last couple of seasons. They'd won five games combined in Dave Cutcliffe's last two seasons, and then they went and won eight games. They went eight and five, four and four in the conference. They got off to a strong start, obviously drop a heartbreaker there to Kansas. A little bit of a a, a blip on, on the radar, losing to Georgia Tech in overtime and to North Carolina by three uh, and then eventually pit by two, but all of these, uh, the the similarity between those four losses in the regular season, they were all very very close losses, right? One score losses. Uh, Elko had his team believing, and Riley Leonard was a big reason why. Kevin Johns, the second year offensive coordinator, had a um, had the Blue Devils up to thirty second in scoring offense at thirty two point eight points per game last season. Riley Leonard really burst onto the scene, which was a ton of fun to watch, not only through the air, but uh, running as well. He actually led the team in rushing yards last season, which, you know, 
Uh, cup half full. Riley Leonard is a really good dual threat quarterback. Cup half empty. Uh, Duke didn't have a reliable running back last year. So do they fix that this year? We'll see. Um, Leonard is going to be the engine for this offense, but I, I think if Jalen Calhoun can get going, I think he'll earn some some national headlines as well. Had nearly 900 yards receiving last year, a couple of touchdowns. Um, and then Graham Barton is an offensive tackle who's marked in the first round of the 2024 NFL draft by some. So, you know, not it's not an elite uh, offense. It's not a top 20 offense, but it's going to get the job done. And it's going to put teams like Clemson, like Notre Dame, like Florida State on notice as we go throughout this season. Uh, we talked about it off the top. We've all got Duke very, very high in our personal rankings. Uh, Garrett, you've got them second in the conference, making it to the championship game. Uh, Trey and I both have them going nine and three, six and two in conference. There's a lot to like about this team. They have run stoppers up front, uh, Dwayne Carter, Jamie and Franklin, who both return as uh, as key run stoppers. They were fourth in the ACC there last year. Uh, Brandon Johnson and uh, Al Blades Jr. from Miami are, are good anchors back at the cornerback room. Miles Jones transfers in from Texas A&M in his 18th season of eligibility um, to reunite with Elko. So when I look at this team, team strength for me, I think the offense, the offensive line was really strong last year and gave Leonard a lot of time to throw, gave him time to run. I see a lot of that returning this year. Defensively, I, I wonder if they can keep up that pressure, keep up the, the blitzing and be as effective as they were last year. But then again, that's Elko's pedigree. Overall, I think that they have a chance to do something that they haven't done since 2014, and that's win at least nine games in the regular season. Yeah, I am really high on Duke this year. Riley Leonard is the straw that serves the drink, as you said, Mitch. And look, they have got a lot of potential to just make that offense even better this year. I think Jalen Calhoun is an awesome weapon. They've got a nice one-two punch with Jordan Moore. And you look at the games that they lost last year, you talk about the potential. They were all four of their losses were by less than one score. Like they were so tantalizingly close to something just amazingly special in Mike Elko's first year. They could definitely have the potential to reach that this year. Um, I don't know what Riley Leonard's future NFL plans are. I don't know if he wants to stick around after this year, but they're building around him. They've got a great core of talent around him. And again, talking about guys that you just trust to run a defense, Mike Elko. And now as he's, uh, you know, molding Tyler Santucci into the future defensive coordinator, I think he'll be a pretty solid one, especially learning under Elko that Elko system is going to stop guys. That Elko system is going to be, you know, keeping them competitive. We thought that's what they were going to lead with last year. The offense actually ended up being ahead of schedule, but I think the defense, as they get into year two, we saw a big jump in year two of Elko's system at A&M, Notre Dame when he was there, even dating back to Wake Forest. So that year two, you see a big jump typically. So yeah, I'm excited about what Duke can do this year. I think they've got a fun schedule that, Shout out to the season ticket holders in uh, Raleigh-Durham because, you know, home games with Clemson and Notre Dame, that's awesome for those people. And, yeah, I think that they could be – this could be a season that they talk about for a really, really long time. I also just want to shout out my guy Dwayne Carter again. 
can we just refer to him as Wheezy on this show and maybe get a <laughs> drop for him anytime he does anything big this year? I'd, I'd be an absolute fan of that one. Um, look, for me, I picked Duke to be in the championship game because I think that they're going to be really good. If you look at the stats that are just up here on the screen, nothing about these numbers necessarily jump off the page at you. Obviously, the turnover margin being second in turnover margin at plus 16 is a little bit ridiculous, but you have a defensive-minded head coach. Defensive systems take a little while to, to settle in. You have to get your guys, find guys that are the right fit. So you get a year of recruiting, a year of the portal in there, a, another year of you know production and and figuring out what your role is and how you're supposed to play and terminology and everything else. All of these total defense numbers, 68th, you know, a 105 in pass defense, 111th in third down defense. I, I think that's going to be a lot better. I think you're going to see some massively improved numbers in those categories. They don't have to be special on offense. Again, look at some of the losses that they have there. You know, it, you look at, you know, Pitt lost by two, North Carolina lost by three. I think they can turn some of those around. And if you turn just a couple of those around, you're looking at a 10 win season, which is what I haven't picked to do. I don't think that they're necessarily special enough to win all of their games. Um, I, I don't think that I'm as high on them you know, as I am on Florida State and looking at some of what they're going to do. But if you do look over at the schedule, you know, it, I, I think that they beat Clemson. Uh, they're not going to beat Florida State. Uh, and I think I had them dropping to Notre Dame as well, just because I do think Notre Dame is going to be a pretty solid team this year. They're, they're going to be pretty salty. So, um, But looking at that, that game's out of conference. You you get the one loss in conference. You show up and, you know, play in that national – or the not the national championship, but the conference championship game. That – that's going to be a special season. You're going to get a lot of people noticing. And then maybe you turn that into a recruiting effort that can start getting some of those top end playmakers, uh, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe you start scoring a little bit more points. I, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. Um, this is not a, a Duke team of old um, when they were really scuffling. This is not the team you schedule for homecoming. I think, I think they make a lot of teams uh, really, really nervous. They're going to be explosive. I think they're going to be, uh, unveiling a lot of new surprises every single week. My one cause for positive Duke, I'll just throw this in. I mentioned this earlier with uh, Florida State. You know, you look for fluky stats that could spur a big run. Duke was second in the nation in turnover margin last year, plus 16. Those tend to regress to the mean. Those tend to, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't think like Riley Leonard's always all of a sudden going to catch the turnover bug, but they did. They were very opportunistic on defense last year. They got a lot of takeaways and it, that that's just something that's to look out for because the Vegas over under is six and a half. Yeah. Vegas has a much different read on this team than I think not just this show, but a lot of college football media is starting to get, you know, realize that Duke was really good last year. They're starting to really hype up that week one game against Clemson, but Vegas hasn't gotten on board yet. Whatever that means, you know, you can read the tea leaves there, whatever you want, but just something to monitor and something that could give you a little bit of a cost or pause for you. Hey, Duke was my darling last year. They smashed their over and I will believe in them again. There you go. That's fair. That's fair. Guys, uh, let's get a new word for our new affiliate, our new friends over at Homefield. Guys, Homefield's a premium college apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They're committed to creating incredibly comfortable officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They've got a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from, including your favorite teams. Fellas, we've got shirts coming in from all over the country. I'm really excited to, to wear some of these on the podcast. 
Um, they are without a doubt, some of the best, most comfortable shirts. Um, and if you're someone like me who hadn't ever bought a home field shirt, if you, maybe you knew of the brand, maybe you didn't, now's the time to get on board. Uh, you can get 15% off your entire order by using our code three tech pod. You can support the podcast and get yourself some of the best looking, some of the most comfortable shirts on the market, all while repping some of the best vintage designs. Maybe they're for your team. Maybe you're just a college football fan like us. You just love some cool designs. You want to wear some really cool shirts. I've got my eye on uh, on a Penn State shirt that's coming in. I have no affiliation with Penn State, but I love the program. <laughs> I love the shirt. I'm really, really excited about that. Again, 15% off your entire order when you use our code 3TECHPOD. Head on over to their website, get you some, uh, some apparel, and uh, let them know that we sent you over there. Trey, Louisville, I'm, I'm going to hand this to you. You wrote their preview. Throughout the rest of this episode, you know, we, we've got Louisville, who's certainly a contender, and then we'll get into NC State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, some of the others. We may start to group some of those teams together, but Louisville, I feel like, is certainly important to spotlight. A changing of the guard, a changing at quarterback, and yet that offense could still be a lot of fun. Yeah, going with our movie theme that we started off the top, Louisville's movie for me was a little play on the Avengers universe, Boilerman Homecoming. Uh, because if you haven't heard, Jeff Brom coming down from Purdue, he's bringing literally his entire coaching staff with him. Jeff Brom, yeah. of course, the former Louisville quarterback. His uh, younger brother, Brian, was also a quarterback at Louisville. And guys, I'm quietly really, really excited about this Louisville team this year. And I know that, you know, Garrett, this is a scorned lover of yours. I'm not going to ask you to jump on this hype train with me. I will not. That that's fair. (laughs) What you went through last year, no one should have to go through, but thank you. I'm quietly very, very excited about this team that Jeff Brown's put together uh, for year one. I don't think a lot of people are talking about them around college football and a couple of reasons. They brought in 25 transfers this year. Number 12 uh, transfer class per 247. You remember, if you remember last summer, we were talking about their hot start to recruiting. They didn't hold on to all of those guys from the high school ranks, but they did hold on to some of those really talented guys. I like the formula here for the Jeff Brom offense. You, you really like in a Jeff Brom offense, you think back to his great ones at Purdue, even back to Western Kentucky before that. You have an qu- accurate quarterback that can distribute the ball you got a running back that can do just enough. And then you have just a big difference maker at wide receiver. Guys, remember the name Jamari Thrash. Because if you haven't heard of him, if you haven't watched him play, he played at Georgia State his first uh, few years. He transfers in from Georgia State to Louisville. Last year, 61 receptions, over 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Turn on the highlight tape on YouTube. It's all deep balls. It's all contested catches. It's all just him making huge plays and making guys look silly in the Sun Belt. So I am a little bit higher on Jack Plummer than I think most of the college football world is. And like, look, his stats did not light the world on fire at Cal. He was a very serviceable quarterback for a team that did not have a lot of talent around him. And he had nine interceptions, but overall didn't turn the ball over a lot, made a lot of good decisions, made a lot of good reads. He's going to be running a similar offense here at Louisville. And, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, They had three starters drafted last year, but they bring back some really uh, interesting playmakers. Jarvis Brownlee had 66 tackles and 12 passes defended last year. Uh, Ashton Guillette was a backup last year, but still totaled seven sacks and eight tackles for loss and as kind of a rotational player. 
they've got a lot of plug and play guys on that defense as well. So, you know, if you're looking for something to worry about the depth and experience of linebacker is certainly concerning, but guys, the schedule is what makes them really, really interesting to me because they're over under sitting there at seven and a half. You look at that schedule. There's not a lot of really scary games on there, right? They open up against Georgia tech. I know you guys are really high on the yellow jackets. We'll get to them here in just a second, but that game is not on campus. It is um, at Mercedes Benz stadium. Their other, their marquee, I guess if you want to call it that, other than Notre Dame, their marquee out of conference game is Indiana. Again, not on campus. It's at the Colts Stadium in Indianapolis. And outside of that, there's a lot of opportunity. I think that they could be five and zero going into that NC State game is going to be tricky, but I think that they could be five and zero going right in into on the road October seventh uh, clash against Notre Dame. And then a lot of people start paying attention. Maybe you get game day in town. Maybe you get a lot more attention on that game on October 7th and a real chance to make a statement there. But guys, yeah, I am quietly really excited about Louisville. I think I have them going nine and three this year. A really solid debut under Jeff Brown. And I'm really excited about the future, really. Like you guys talk about Knowles coin going to the moon. Get in on Cardinal coin right now because I think Jeff Brown, the future is very, very bright. I will not be getting in on Cardinal coin. There's no, <laughs> I don't blame you. Me to- <laughs> you. You have every right to just let this go in one ear and out the other. After if, if you've been burned, that's what happens. But I actually have a, a slightly different reason. Obviously looking at the schedule. Yes. You you're right. That's not necessarily an intense opening schedule. I think that Georgia tech at Mercedes Benz stadium is a little bit more dangerous than you're going to give them credit for. That, that's a team and a, and a fan base that's fired up right now with a lot of reasons to be excited. There's a lot of buzz around the program, no pun intended. Um, and, you know, I think that that's going to be a really exciting game for a lot of them. Notre Dame, I think, is going to be really good. NC State, that's at NC State. So, I'd, I, I don't know. I'm not necessarily going to hop in on this. The big they thing avoid for me is, Clemson and North Carolina, though. I which think is that, they do. Huge. They do. Avoid- and that's a big deal for them. My, my yeah. biggest concern and uh, I think this is going to have to be something I stay consistent with is when you have this many new players, you have this many brand new guys coming into a, a locker room. You don't have any idea how it's going to mesh together. We like to say, we believe that the offense is going to be on fire. We don't know how these guys are going to get together and play on the field. We haven't seen that. They're going to have great practices. They're going to see the same guy day in and day out. And then they're going to get, you know, in that first game, it's going to be Georgia tech. They might get punched in the mouth. And all of a sudden, you know, hey, it's your fault. No, it's my fault. No, it's this guy's fault. No, it's that one. No, if you guys would get the ball back for us. And all of a sudden, everyone's yelling and screaming at each other because they're not used to being in that adverse spot with each other. So I'm not saying that they're going to be a terrible team this year. I have them going six and six. Um, I'm not going to buy into the hype necessarily year one. Um, There's a chance that this is going to be a great team long term. Uh, and that this hire is going to really pay off for them long-term. I just don't know how fast it's going to come together since they're basically working with a, a massively overhauled roster. Yeah, there's some good players in there. Um, I, I, I just don't know how fast it comes together. And I've said the same thing about Colorado. Uh, I've talked about TCU being similar, how they're going to have a whole lot of brand new people. And I'm going to stay the same with Louisville on this one. I think that this is going to be a, a little bit of a, a tough transition, especially to open up the season uh, to get this team on the right page. I, I will say if they can survive weeks five, six, and seven, NC state, Notre Dame Pitt, 
Uh, I've got them dropping two of the three games that I've projected them to lose. I have them losing to Duke out of the bye week. So that's a really tough kind of five-week stretch there. But other than that, the back half of their schedule is so forgiving. The Virginia soft school open and a soft close. That's yes, what you like to see. Yeah, the Virginia schools are not going to be a threat. I don't think Miami. I spoiler. I have them going five and seven. I think it's another Ooh. disappointing year for Miami. Hater. Then, you know, we'll get to Kentucky. Well, what? Uh, you know, we'll get there. Uh, I think they're better than Kentucky, so I, I've got them closing that out. Um, Trey, let's go to NC State. We can kind of start to to do some quick hitters here. NC State, Syracuse, uh, and Georgia Tech are the next three schools that we've got in order. Where do you have NC State? Kind of give me the the cliff notes here of, of where you've uh, you've projected them. This is going to be a fascinating year for NC State because I think that you you could see this go one of di- two different ways, and it's going to really depend on what Brennan Armstrong the Wolfpack get because if they get the Brennan Armstrong that, you know, was mind melded with Robert and I at Virginia and ran this really high powered offense and was putting up billions of points and just made everybody look silly in the ACC, then NC state could be what we thought they were last year because everything went off the rails. I I gave them the title Dave Doran's a series of unfortunate events because it really was a tale of two seasons last year, right? Devin Leary, it's five and one in games that he started. He goes hurt. They finished three and four, 19 points per game after Devin Leary goes down last year. The defense didn't step down. The defense really stepped up to the challenge and kept them in and was really the reason that they won three games down the stretch last year. But if they can get the Brennan Armstrong from pre-2022, right? The Robert and I, the... um air raid style, the slinging it all over the yard, Brennan Armstrong, the really exciting version, then this is going to be a really solid team that we need to watch out for and maybe think is a dark horse contender for the conference title. But if they get a version of Brennan Armstrong that's closer to what they, he put up last year, which was not pretty, um, it's going to be a really long year for the Wolfpack. It's going to be a little bit more of a down season for the Wolfpack. So replacing a lot of production on defense – Obviously, having to replace, you know, a quarterback in Devin Leary that was just loved by everybody uh, at NC State, loved by the coaching staff. But it's going to be really interesting. I I think they've got some really interesting pieces. They've got a a running back in Jordan Houston who they need to get going. They really need to get the running game going just in general. It was really, really bad throughout the whole season last year. The defense lost a lot of production, but they have a lot of guys that, if you remember to our previews last year, have played a lot of football for the Wolfpack. They they were running really deep with depth last year. They dealt with injuries a couple years ago, and that's meaning that they're going to have a lot of guys that have played a lot over the course of uh, their careers here. But really it's going to boil down to can Brendan Armstrong recapture that magic and can they get some semblance of a running game going on offense? I trust the defense. I feel like I've been saying that a lot this episode. I trust the defense. I trust the coaching staff on that side of the ball. But if the offense can get going, that's going to really depend on, you know, how high their ceiling actually is. Yeah. If the quarterback is going to be good, it is a pretty big caveat. The problem for Brennan Armstrong is all of his numbers are massive. He's got 9,000 yards in his career. That's massive. 58 touchdowns, also massive, but 35 interceptions is also he's a, a gun massive slinger. number. He's, he's going to sling it around. <laughs> and, and they, unlike previous teams, do catch a lot of these really good teams on the schedule. Notre Dame, Clemson. I think Duke, right? Miami, I think could be really good. So I, I, I think that they're going to catch too many good teams to where I don't, I don't know that you can believe in 
a quarterback who turns the ball over as much as I think he's going to this year. I've got him in eight and four, three losses in conference play. Um, I've got NC State losing to Notre Dame, Duke, Clemson, and North Carolina to end the regular season. They should have lost that game last year. They didn't. Um, I think the ball bounces the other way. Guys, cue a little less conversation because we're going Ocean's 11 here with Syracuse. This is a high-risk, high-reward team. Uh, Cliff notes, we got the full Dino Babers experience last year when they started uh, 6-0. and And boy, it was a fun, fun start to the regular season, right? I mean, they, they crushed Louisville. They broke Garrett's heart. Um, they <laughs> won a wild game against Purdue, which was one of the wildest games I've ever watched uh, on TV. They squeak by Virginia. They beat NC State down Devin Leary. And then the great awakening happens and they lose a heartbreaker to Clemson. And it was like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, right? Like Garrett Schrader could only run for his life so many times before the L's just start rolling in. They he lose. got injured last year too. Did he not? And, and he did it yeah. but because, because that offensive line was horrific. Yes, absolutely. Um, so Syracuse, if you're going to compete this year, you gotta, you gotta protect your quarterback. That's kind of my big linchpin for them now i've got the orange going seven and five and garrett if you pull up their schedule for this year i think they can do enough it's a very soft opening to the schedule i think at the very worst they're three and one to start the season we'll, we'll talk about purdue when we get to the big 10 i don't know that we know what purdue is going to be on paper they look fun but you know we'll, we'll see um clemson should be a loss north carolina should be a loss florida state should be a loss i get that Back to back to back. That's that's just it, it is a brutal stretch. And then limp into your bye week. Yeah, I mean we are <laughs> gonna be we're gonna be you know taping the peel back to the orange, uh, getting into the bye week. But the ACC the, hates Syracuse. They did this to them last year too with that Clemson, <laughs> Notre Dame, Pitt, Florida State back to back. Yeah, um, but the second half of the season at Virginia Tech, Boston College versus Pitt and Yankee Stadium at Georgia Tech versus Wake Forest, like. Pretty soft close, right? Pretty soft close. Garrett Schrader is a solid quarterback. He doesn't sling it all over the yard. Um, Aronde Gadsden the second had a massive year at tight end last year. Maybe He's the most unsung player. tight end in the country. He had almost a thousand yards receiving. They've got a really good defense. Um, you know, I, I I really like what Syracuse has. The question is just what is. <laughs> What does Rocky Long give them as the new defensive coordinator? He is known as the creator of the 335, former New Mexico defensive coordinator. He comes over. I, I don't know how Syracuse is going to perform. Um, so I do have to admit, I'm spitballing a little bit with the seven and five projection, but I'm going to choose to believe that Dino Babers knows. I don't think the back half of that schedule is is difficult enough to rack up more than five losses for me on Syracuse's schedule. Now their, their uh, floor is four and eight. They could have a big old slide. If, if Garrett Schrader goes down again, if they can't establish a running game, which last year they really struggled to, even with Sean Tucker, that offensive line stunk. Actually one of the, the craziest notes that I found in all of this research, um, Schrader was running for his life. He was sacked 43 times last year. Uh, let's see here. So left tackle, left guard, and right guard are all returning starters. 
they allowed a combined four sacks. That meant from the right tackle in the center position were attributed 39 sacks last year. They gave up 43 total. The center and the right tackle were accused of giving up 39. Not very good. No. They bring in Joe Moore from Richmond and uh, John Ray Reed from Hutchinson Community College. Now, both performed well in their respective leagues, not the FBS, right? Not the ACC. So some question marks with Syracuse. I think you can get the orange to seven wins in, in, in a bowl game. Uh, any thoughts from you guys quickly? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it, Syracuse. They they kind of were living by a prayer and a dream last year in the first half of the season. I think we all kind of saw that second half coming when you looked at the schedule and you saw the uptick in the, yeah. you know, teams that they were playing against, just to be quite honest. But I, I, I think you're spot on. They're going to be a borderline bowl team. There's a lot of these teams in this tier that are going to be a borderline bowl team if they stay healthy and they do what they're best at, which for Syracuse is Garrett Schrader doing just enough on offense and making things happen. Then they'll make it to a bowl. If those things fall apart, they won't make it to a bowl. It's really that simple. Yeah, and they're going to fall apart. It's four and eight for me for Syracuse. <laughs> Sorry, I, I see four and eight. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a great year for them. I don't think Gary Schrader's dynamic enough to do anything um, that's going to be really special. Don't see the playmakers around him that much. Obviously, the tight end. We just talked about that. Pretty good, but um, losing can be contagious. Uh, we've seen it happen multiple times where there's a pretty good team that you know loses a few games in a row, kind of gets off its groove, kind of forgets what winning feels like. Uh, and I think that that win against Army is going to feel like a long way away when they're playing, you know, Thursday night versus Virginia Tech on the road. Um, that's that's going to be a tough one to kind of get up for it, after a bye week, kind of a sleepier bye week, where you probably got to lick your wounds after three losses. It, I don't know. I think losing is going to be pretty contagious. I think they lose a bunch down the stretch. I know it's kind of a soft close, but I think they lose a bunch down the stretch, and it's not a great year for Syracuse. Shout out their defense that has maybe the best nickname in the game. They call themselves the Mob. Um, so I, I really like that. Marlo Wax, Caleb Okwechiku, uh menaces at the linebacker and edge rusher position, respectively. Um, all right, guys, very quickly, I'm going to make my case for Georgia Tech making a bowl game. Ready, set, here we go. All right, uh, Jeff Collins, they got rid of him. Hooray, that was a great move. <laughs> Collins was terrible in Atlanta, didn't recruit the state, didn't establish the culture, the rambling wreck deserved better. Um, they went five and seven last year, and guess what? All of that thanks to Brent Key. Uh, he won in his first game as a head coach at Pitt, which was a monumental win. We were all stunned to see that. He then turns around and beats Duke in overtime. We watched that game together. That was a crazy win for the Yellow Jackets. Mixed results the rest of the way, but they also had an uptick in competition. It didn't matter when they played UNC. They won 21-17. So Georgia Tech... Uh, look, the stats are abysmal. Uh, Garrett, your your graphic there in the middle, um, yikes. A lot of, lot of really bad, really really high numbers, 122nd in the country on third down. Digits. A lot of triple digits. Kind of like the temperature around the Lone Star State right now. Um, it's not good, but let me make my case. First of all, quarterback play I think is going to be decent this year. Zach Pyron, I think, wins the job there. It sounded like he had the edge coming out of the spring game over Haynes King, the Texas A&M transfer. Um, they've got a couple of running backs I like, Dante Smith, Trey Cooley. Uh, Malik Rutherford is a wide receiver on breakout watch. 
Georgia Tech continues to evolve the offense into the 21st century, which is, you know, about time. They have an interesting offensive coordinator this year. Buster Faulkner comes over from Georgia. Um, Faulkner was a quality control coach, essentially, but he worked a lot with the quarterbacks and did a really good job between the hedges. I'm curious to see what he can do bringing that to Atlanta. Um, the defensive coordinator, Andrew Thacker, he's been there for a couple of seasons. Their, their defense has not been anything special. There's no doubt they need to, to improve on that. What worries me on the defense is getting pass rush, right? Keon White was drafted by the Patriots, was a great edge rusher last year for the Swarm. He's gone. Where do they get that production from this season? Offensively, they've got to they've got to find a way to score points, right? Their their scoring offense was 125th in the country last year. You say, Mitch, that is all terrible. How on earth do you get them to a bowl game, Trey? You were specifically asking me that earlier before we hit record let me guide your direction your attention over to the schedule if you're listening on the podcast i'll read it for you louisville to start that's tough but then you play south carolina state you're at Ole miss at wake forest bowling green at miami bye you go mitch that sounds like a terrible way to start your season and i agree it's a tough tough start for the yellow jackets but then you get boston college north carolina at virginia at clemson syracuse georgia I think if you rearrange the pieces, I think you can find wins South Carolina state. I think you can beat wake forest, but your defense is going to have to, to, to be a miracle. You can beat Bowling green. You can beat Miami and we'll get to Miami's preview in just a second. You can beat them. Trey's holding up fingers for questionable wins. We're, we're counting them. We're, we got two for sure. Boston college is going to stink this year. That's a win. Uh, lost to North Carolina. Virginia is going to stink this year. That's a that's an easy win. You lose to Clemson unless maybe you pull something out of your hat. You almost beat them uh, last year or not last year two two, yeah, two, uh, two ago. seasons ago. I'm sorry, two <laughs> seasons ago. My bad. Forty-one to ten last year. And then uh, Syracuse. Syracuse. If we're really really questioning how Syracuse's offense is playing down the stretch, you got them at home. Now you're not going to touch Georgia. Um, good old fashioned uh, hate. I, or, wait, yeah, they're good old-fashioned hate, right? Yeah. yeah. So, that's how you get to 6-6. Six and six. Is it an ironclad case? No, of course not. Would I, would I lay any sort of hard-earned American currency on that? No. Am I going to take them to, to get their over-under, which is 4.5? Sure. Uh, I think the Yellow Jackets can get that, so I'll say they get to 6-6 six and six and get to a bowl game. Guys, I wrote the Georgia Tech preview. I think Georgia Tech's going to surprise some people this year. Um, I think it's going to be a, a little bit of a, a up, a, a little bit of a up uh, on the on the projections from what we're seeing right now. None of the numbers last year were amazing, but after they fired Collins and went on to Brent Key, this team played really hard for him. They played really well for him. A lot of those blowouts that you're seeing beginning of the season had nothing to do with Brent Key and his coaching, um, and. Look, for what it's worth, you know, Zach Pyron played really well as quarterback. He just didn't play all that much down the stretch. Um, he, he played well yeah. enough as a quarterback when he played. Um, and look, there's some really talented players coming in on this team. They've kind of quietly had a really good transfer class. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of guys on the defense that have transferred in that I think, you know, you're mixing and matching some new faces, kind of hoping that you can, you know, make something work. Again, you're going to have new faces, so who knows how they all fit together. 
but it, it, you know, there's a lot of optimism, I think, within the program that things can go the way they want it to. Guys, Malik Rutherford is a certified baller. Um, and I'm going to say, if you have a guy like that on your team, you're going to sneak probably one or two games that you shouldn't. Um, Malik Rutherford is that guy. Uh, he, if you watch the spring game, there was some really fun one that he had one where he caught a screen, kind of reverse field, you know, broke like seven or eight tackles on his way to a touchdown. Had another one where he, you know, kind of ended up being more of a streaky kind of play and, and scores another one. So, look, Malik Rutherford, he's really, really solid. DJ Moore, also a really good wide receiver there. Um, I know they're thinking that Christian Leary could be big. He's a Bama transfer who I think that, you know, he's really talented, didn't really fit with the Crimson Tide and what they were doing. Look, you, you can say what you want to. It's Georgia Tech. You can believe just based on history that they're not going to be very good. This is a different type of Georgia Tech team. Um, and I think they're going to make some noise. I think that first game against Louisville and Mercedes-Benz Stadium, talked about it a little bit earlier, I think that'll be a really big one for them to kind of come out, make a statement in front of their home fans. That's their hometown. That's in front of those guys who are going to be out there. They're going to buy tickets up. Uh, and, and I think it's going to be a really fun one to kick off the season for them. I could be holding the bag at the end of this one and just saying, you know, hey, look at this. Georgia Tech was bad again. I just don't think it's going to happen. I have them winning seven games this year. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Who am I to rain on y'all's parade? I, I'll let y'all have that one. I, 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 I'll, I'll just point at the last few seasons as my evidence why I disagree, but you guys have fun. That's Hey, that's totally <laughs> fair. Um, we've got Wake Forest and Miami to get to next. Uh, Trey, Wake Forest, oh boy, this could be a really frustrating season for the Baptists. Uh, you and I have them going six and six. Garrett has them going seven and five. Dave Clawson has been a model of consistency for the most part, but uh, Hartman, Sam Hartman is no longer their quarterback. Mitch Griffs takes over, who by all accounts is ready to take over that position. For me, I'm really nervous about that secondary. The, the defense was bad last year, and there is a chance it could get even worse. They were really bad at containing the big play last season. They were 119th in the country in plays over 20 yards and 111th in the country at preventing plays over 30 yards. They also surrendered 28 points per game. My absolute ceiling for them is eight and four. Uh, my prediction is six and six. I think they dropped four of their last five. That's a tough close to the schedule. I think Clawson's too good to not make a bowl game. And I, I had to squint to get them there. Yeah. When I was, you know, going through my projections, I, I think it's a tough schedule. Anytime you have, you know, Florida State at Duke back to back, NC State we talked about could be plucky, and then at Notre Dame to close the season, that's that's really really tough. Back to back to back, add in a trip to Clemson earlier in the year, soft open. I, I think that's what Very you got to hope for. You got to really make hay early uh, and really hope that uh, Griff's is adjusted quickly but how much of this team what what would the record have been last year you know without Sam Hartman I know we talked about on a recent episode he's been a gunslinger he has turned the ball over but any time that you have to rely on your offense to just go berserk to win the game because your defense can't help but give up 40 or 50 points you're going to lose a lot of games. And, and when you don't have elite quarterback play, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to have a successful season. So long-term, I think Dave Clawson is a fantastic coach. He does more with less, more than, uh, you know, 
most coaches do with less talent. And he's consistently built a winner at Wake Forest, which is really, really difficult to do. But this would be his best coaching job if they were to, you know, have an encore season this year. The, the defensive talent is just really lacking in my mind. I think the offense is going to take a slight step back. He will have a lot of targets to throw to. And I think it will still be an exciting offense that puts up a lot of points. But any competent offense that they are playing against, you have to be ready for them to score bunches of points. And so if you're having to keep up with that week in and week out, it's just a lot to ask for your offense. Another team that might need to score bunches of points, and I don't know if they can, is Miami. Um, Listen, guys, I'm down on Miami again. Uh, My movie comp for them was the Titanic. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of expectations. Look, coming into last year, we're I mean, like they the were submarine, right? Really rich, but just uh, straight to the bottom. Straight to the bottom. <laughs> um, it it clearly went sideways at the beginning of the season. The loss to A and M. They get embarrassed by Middle Tennessee State at home. The the losses not even competitive against Clemson or Pitt. Um, they fire Josh Gaddis, their offensive coordinator, after one year. They bring in Shannon Dawson, who ran the air raid with Dana Holgerson for years um, at uh, at Houston. So they're going from a kind of a pro-style run-heavy offense to the air raid. I don't know about you, but Tyler that Van Dyke... always works, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you, that is not an easy transition to make. And uh, I don't know that Tyler Van Dyke is the guy to do it. What really concerns me is if you're going to run the air raid, you better have some some boys out wide that can make plays for you. I don't know that Miami has that. I mean, you look at really any preview, and their question mark for the Canes is that wide receiver position. Do they have the speed? Do they have the size? Xavier Restrepo is healthy this year. He should be fun. But when you're telling me you're relying on Tyler Harrell to be your number three, the guy has been at uh let's see here he's third stop in three years he has just 22 catches in five seasons playing college ball like that is not an indicator of success for me um they should have a really good pass rush they they had a good pass rush last year they've got some great defenders on the edge akeem uh, mesador jafari harvey nylet kelly and then four-star freshman reuben bain jr are expected to be the edge rushers there Corey Flagg Jr. is their leading tackler. He's the captain linebacker. They've got a couple of transfers coming in to play corner, and then Cameron Kitchens had six interceptions in safety last year. So the defense is fine, but when you talk about it, their offense was anemic last year, and that secondary couldn't tackle, which is really concerning. So, uh, you know, I know they bring in Shannon Dawson. Lance Guidry comes over from Marshall. Marshall finished eighth in the country per the S&P Plus last year. So, Staff upgrades across the board, but I go to look at Miami's schedule and I think they lose to Texas A&M guys. I think they find a way to lose a weird one. So for me, I told you Georgia tech, I just, I just, that's my game on their schedule that they lose. It goes, what, how on earth Uh, they play North Carolina. They play Clemson. They've got NC state and Florida state, both on the road. And then they play Louisville at the end of the season. I, I just feel like, Cristobal, Cristobal is going to be in so much hot water. I feel like if it goes sideways, if you start to push that snowball down the hill, I don't know how he stops it. Yeah, there's some tough games on the schedule. I'm not 100% sure that the air raid won't work here, and I'll tell you why. Look, last season we went into it thinking that Tyler Van Dyke was going to be a Heisman candidate, that he was amazing, he's an all-world guy, he's got loads of arm talent. And that wasn't 
unfounded, right? There were reasons we thought this. There's plenty of tape from the previous year, and he fell apart last year. Josh Gaddis just didn't work for him. Um, I, I think giving him the air raid, something that's a little bit, you know, simpler, a little easier to chew on, quick reads, just deliver a quick pass, kind of get on a roll, get hot, that could work for him. That could really work for him if they can just give him something to think about. He's got the arm talent to get, you know, passes where they need to be. And if you just see a little bit of an uptick on offense, I mean, you look at some of these stats from last year offensively, where they finished, not impressive numbers. If those numbers tick up a little bit, I think you could see them win a few of these games. Now, I don't think that they beat AM and I don't think that they'll probably beat Georgia Tech, but there's some winnable games there. You know, Virginia, NC State, Louisville, Boston College, there's some winnable games back there. If, if they can just get the quarterbacks to play a little better, get a little bit more production out of Tyler Van Dyke, we know he can do it. I think pretty clearly last year the issue was not anything about his talent. It was just about what was going on inside his head. So if they can figure out the the four inches between his ears, then they'll be able to figure out what's going on there for that offense. They certainly have the ability. They have some talented playmakers. There's a lot of speculation right now. I think they can put it together with a little bit of a simpler offensive scheme. It's going to be interesting. I think they're way more talented than their record says that they are right and their offense is way better on paper than it was on the field last year so yeah i i I joked about the transition from pro style to air raid but it doesn't really hurt to change it up right you got to try something different at that point don't know that you really want to blame the guy that just won the award for best assistant coach in the whole country but right not blaming the coordinator just the fit yeah sure (laughs) whatever you know not like not i'm not talking to you gary i'm talking about just miami in general sure right Gattis, like Gattis I, I don't know that, for cristobal yeah, yeah like that that's a shot at cristobal 100 sure, sure. like I, I i don't know how you can take yourself seriously and look at yourself but you had to do something i guess but do we really think that they were 40 or 30 points worse than Pitt last year or you know 14 points worse than middle tennessee it was just a comedy of errors for miami last year they were way yeah. more talented than that I think it'll be a bounce back here. They're not going to compete for the conference tam- championship like we thought they might last year, but it's it's going to be better. Better days are coming, I think, for Miami fans. If they don't, things are going to get miserable in a hurry. They're already losing a lot of recruiting battles, so fans are mad at them for that. Um, if the the play doesn't back it up this year, who boy, uh, it's going to get it's going to get rude down there in Coral Gables. Um, the Virginia schools, Virginia tech to me is far and away the better school here. And it's not really fair to Virginia. Um, obviously the, the way that things played out last year for Brent pride did not go well. You look at the the schedule there on the video side. Um, yeah, they lost seven in a row and they were, some of them were very close losses. In fact, most of them were close losses, but they were not competitive against West Virginia. They weren't competitive against North Carolina, they bring in Kyron Drones, a uh, Baylor transfer, who was supposed to be kind of the next great quarterback for Baylor, and Dave Aranda went elsewhere. He went with Blake Shapin. He committed to him, um, and Drones said, all right, I'm going to go somewhere where I can play. I really like Drones' ability to maybe beat out Grant Wells. Grant Wells turned the ball over like it was going out of style last season, had a one-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, And if you're looking on your screen, uh, the best offensive metric that they had ranked 103rd in the country. So 
it didn't work on the offensive side of the ball. The defense was actually pretty solid, but they lose Dax Hollifield finally. He'd been there for 18 seasons. He's gone as the captain of that linebacking core. Um, they do have a couple of edge rushers in CJ McCray and Cole Nelson, but I'm really wondering how the linebackers play this year. I think the secondary can be fine. I think the defensive line can be fine. But as we have seen with Texas A&M, our team, when you don't have good linebacker play, that is a handicap to your defense. Um, there's a lot of questions here with Virginia Tech. I think they can make it to a bowl game. I'm not going to die on that hill. Um, but I do think the offense has a lot of playmakers. They get Ali Jennings, who transfers in from Old Dominion. He beat Virginia Tech as a Monarch last season, which was an incredible upset. Um, they get a transfer wide receiver in from Norfolk State um, in uh, Daquan Felton. Their running backs, Basul Tutin from NC A&T. He rushed for 1,300 yards last season. So, listen, not like proven guys at at uh, the FBS level necessarily, although Allie Jennings is, is a monster. But they've got playmakers. The offensive line gets better. I think you can get Virginia Tech to a bowl game. Virginia, on the other hand, I, I've got them going 1-11. They just don't have the talent. Um they don't have the recruits in place. I think this is a, a a long process for Tony Elliott. I don't really have much to add on the Cavs this year. I think it's just going to be kind of a painful campaign for them. Uh, we'll talk about Boston College in just a second, but uh, any other comments on the Virginia schools? I'm with you on Virginia Tech to an extent. I think, you know, it's going to be another painful year of football in the state of Virginia overall, I think. And the back half of Virginia Tech's schedule gives you some hope that if they can figure some stuff out, if they can get traction at the right time, they've got a really, really soft close after the Florida State game, essentially. So October and November, Wake Forest is probably – Wake Forest and at Louisville are probably your toughest games, and NC State is on there too. But certainly some win winnable games. you got a Thursday night home game against Syracuse. I think you can squint and maybe get them to a bowl game if they figure some things out, but – Offense just has such a long way to go. Like I, I, I just, I, I think that's more than a one-year turnaround project there for Virginia Tech. And you know, for Virginia, it, we have to, you know, address the elephant in the room that just so many things went wrong for them last year: injuries, trying to switch the scheme, obviously the tragic situation that unfolded on their campus at the end of the year last year. Yep. None of that's Tony Elliott's fault, but I, I think. I don't know that this is necessarily a make or break year for him yet, but he's got to show something, right? He's got to show something to show that they're moving in the right direction. They have some form of hope for the future. I, I yep. do want to say just to, to say their names, Lavelle Davis, Jr. Devin Chandler, Deshaun Perry were, were the three players that were, were murdered last year. Um, Tony Elliott was quoted saying, we're not moving on. We're moving forward. So yeah, um, right. certainly our, you know, our thoughts and prayers are continue to be with the, the who's family. Um, yeah. Wish the best for him. I just, I think it's going to be a long year. In the football. Yeah. And unfortunately with the circumstances, I mean, you need something to start going well if you're Virginia um, and looking at, you know, the beginning of their schedule, Tennessee, James Madison was super competitive last year. And that's a loss. I think that's a loss too. Um, and then at that's Maryland, that's going to be really tough. Um, it, it, I think Maryland's going to be a really good team in the Big Ten this year. And then you just kind of look down the schedule. You're, you're starting to look for wins. NC State, probably not. At Boston College, yeah, maybe a toss-up. But 
I, I think you start really having to look hard and squint before you're going to find some wins for Virginia. And, and unfortunately, yeah, losing can be contagious. So you, you hope that something can start to roll and they can maybe snag one of those games. But you can put me in the doubters category. I think it's going to be a tough year for the Cavaliers. Uh, lastly, let's cover Boston College. Jeff Halfley's fourth season. First three have been really disappointing. Um, I was on record last year saying that Boston College was, you know, an eight and four program. I really thought that they could get there. They were supposed to be a top 25 contender and they were anything but. They uh, went three and nine, two and six in the ACC. Dracovic is now obviously to pit. Their offensive line stunk last season. Um, Emmett Moorhead is the now projected starter at quarterback. He's got Thomas Castellanos. Uh, and there's a deep drive into left field to compete with at the quarterback <laughs> spot. Um, I think Moorhead is going to win from all the reports that I've read. They had no running game last year. Pat Garwo, after having a breakout 2021 campaign, only had 400 yards after he got over 1,000 um, two seasons ago. Uh, Kai Robichaux is a big threat, a big play threat who's transferring in from Western Kentucky, so he should help. Uh, out wide, Ryan O'Keefe. He's going to be the Zay Flowers replacement. He was Mr. Reliable for UCF. He transfers up to Chestnut Hill to finish Really, really fun career. player. He, he's really, really fun. Yeah, got some gadget ability to him as well. Um, the defense actually should be really, really fun. Um, a couple of edge rushers. you got all ACC edge rusher Donovan uh, Izariku. 14 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. Um, you know, you've got uh, George Rooks who transfers in from Michigan. He should be a run stopper and they need him to be at the defensive tackle spot because that run defense was abysmal last year. Um, for sure, the the strength of this team is going to be pass rush. My weakness, though, for the five starters from a top 44 unit last year in the secondary are gone. And then I, I'm really wondering if you can't get the running game going. Ryan O'Keefe's great. But uh, one man an offense does not typically make. So for me, it's another tough season for Boston College. I've got them going four and eight, just one in seven in conference play. Unfortunately, I, I when I was kind of looking on different teams' schedules for like, okay, here's the game that they need to win. Unfortunately for the Screaming Eagles, it was Boston College that that answered the bell. I think they're going to catch a lot of a lot of opponents at bad times to to be quite honest so i unfortunately i'm low on boston college this year yeah it not not a lot else to add for me i i do really like o'keefe as a playmaker i think you and, know he could be a really solid i'm not gonna say he will be zay flowers but he, he's gonna replace him well he's gonna replace that production pretty well in the offense and you know, you look at last year, obviously they dealt with injuries to Djokovic, and that was really central to their plans. But, yeah, it, it, it's going to be tough sledding. If they can get the defense to step up a bit, if they can get the defense to be a truly top half of the league unit, then maybe they have a higher ceiling, right? Maybe they can sneak into a bowl game. Maybe they can take advantage of some weaker teams on the bottom half of the ACC. But, yeah, it, it, it it's they're a couple years away. I think in a, of quite a few players away from really, truly contending for anything special. I think you're right about contending for something special. It could still be a decent year for him. I'm a little bit higher on him than y'all. I've got him going six and six. It could make um, I, I think, I, I think, you know, Northern Illinois, Holy Cross and, and army are all probably, I'd lock them in as wins. UConn. Yeah. I think they should win that game. I know they probably should have won it last year, but we'll, we'll ignore that for now. 
And then, you know, you throw in a couple of Virginia schools, maybe another toss-up somewhere in there. It's not impossible to get these guys to six no. wins. I certainly Jordan think you Tech. can get them to six faster than a lot of people can. So, um, it, you know, it, it it might be optimistic, but I'm a little bit higher on uh, on the Eagles here. They do have the schedule to sneak in. They, they, they certainly do. do. They, yeah, they absolutely do. Um, listen, we know we don't go perfect on these projections. Can't wait to get to the regular season to see how all this plays out. Fellas, that was a marathon. 14 teams are down. We've obviously got the rest of the Power Five, a group of five episode coming up as well. If you did enjoy this ACC preview, please leave a like on YouTube, leave a comment, follow us over on our social media accounts at 3TechPod, Instagram, Twitter, Threads. Find us on YouTube as well. For Trey Reeves, for Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gracious, yeah. how about that?